All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kente Corner, your favorite casual Hoya basketball podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Bancroft, and I'm here with Andrew Geiger, casual Hoya himself. You can get me on Twitter, it's really easy, at Bobby Bancroft, and you can get Andrew, it's really easy, at casual Hoya. Andrew, it has been a long time, but we are here tonight, Tuesday, July 26th, because I don't know if it was about this time last year, but it seems like it's fairly, you know, reasonable time. We know that, you know, the dates and the all the opponents now for the 22-23 non-conference slate of games for the Hoyas. Andrew, what's up, man? Bobby, as always, you, you buried the lead. Congratulations on the <laughs> 150th episode of Kenty Corner. I mean, I remember when... It seems like yesterday we just recorded the, the first one of these things. So it's, you know, it's crazy to think that there have been 150 episodes. Uh, so congrats to you. Um, as, and actually, I don't know if that's a, you know, a testament to your um, insanity or, uh, or you're just dogged uh, Georgetown fandom. But I'll, I'll run with the latter. Uh, summer's been good. Thanks for asking. Uh, I think the last time we visited this podcast, uh Wahab had just transferred back to Georgetown so since then we've got some Kenner League action to discuss and of course today the unveiling of the annual non-conference slate uh I'm happy to jump right into that uh do you want to go kind of game by game or do you want to do like an overall take on the schedule as a whole I say we just do the schedule as a whole so we knew a bunch or I should say, we knew the majority of the teams we were going to see. I think there was only four or five that were a little bit mysteries today. And for the most part, you could you could kind of guess, right? You guess American and Howard, you're going to get at least one of those. Um, you know, maybe like UMBC or Towson, you guess you get one of those. Um, so the schedule is kind of what we thought it was going to be. I think the one thing that I'm missing, and I know we've talked about this in other pods, is that as a former season ticket holder myself, um, both when I was a kid, I didn't, you know, wasn't paying for it then. And then after I got out of college for about 10 years, and then when I did media, someone, a friend of mine kept my season tickets going for a little bit. Um, I think in the Big East 2.0, the years where Syracuse doesn't come to Georgetown there's got to yeah. be some sort of replacement. And we kind of knew that there wasn't between the Gavit games and we knew South Carolina was coming. But that to me is I was maybe holding out like a sliver of hope. We were going to be just completely had our socks knocked off. Our socks were not knocked off. What do you think as an alum and as someone, I think you have season tickets still, right? I do. I, I, mean, I think the non-conference slate, the home slate is, I mean, it's, pretty terrible as far as getting uh, people to come to Cap 1. Obviously, there's no marquee game on there. Uh, I'm sure there are a bunch of local media who are interested in Northwestern because they all went there, of course. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. South Carolina, I mean, at least you've got a decent name, but that's not going to really bring people out. Uh, and then that's pretty much it, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you've got Northwestern and South Carolina are – the only power five home opponents. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it is what it is. I think big picture though, I'm actually pretty impressed with the non-coverage schedule. See, Georgetown was in a a pretty interesting spot uh, this off season, as far as putting together the schedule. And my understanding is that Louis Orr was, uh, was charged with, with doing so. And that what was difficult with putting well, then I guess schedule. it's no surprise Sienna was back on the schedule, huh? Well, there you go. I mean, the, but the thing is, <laughs> like, typically coming off that, our, our last season, you'd have a lot of these mid-majors, these smaller programs being like, oh, Georgetown, okay, let's, let's, let's schedule them because they're a big name and we can take them down. So Georgetown wanted to avoid getting that like upstart team and having a Dartmouth situation like last season where your season's kind of over before it starts. On the flip side though, Georgetown acquired so much more talent in the off season that bigger name programs really don't want to play us because 
all this, you know, the, the word on the street is that Georgetown is suddenly has the talent to be a top half team in the Big East. I mean, maybe they put that together and they get a win against a team that really has no business losing to Georgetown. So I think that's why you see this schedule, which, you know, has your Coppin States, your Wisconsin Green Bays, but also has a decent, you know, Northwestern time. They're, they're bad, but still Northwestern. Uh, you know, at Texas Tech is an opportunity. South Carolina at home, that's still a name. And then, of course, at Syracuse. I think you're the one that tweeted it, or I saw a bunch of people tweet that basically you want to position yourself that if you have success in your non-conference schedule, that you'll be in a position to make the tournament if you perform at least halfway decently in conference play. And this schedule does that. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to win, you got to beat teams in order to make the tournament. So if you hold serve against the bad teams here, if you can win at Texas Tech or Syracuse, and then play halfway decent in the Big East, go 500 or better, they, they should be right there. Mm, yeah, so I am one of the guys that was out there saying, as just a general philosophy, if you go 500 in the Big East, which would be a gigantic leap for what they just did. Of course, their entire team is different, basically, and their coaches are different for the most part. Um you know, you want to have your non-conference not weigh you down. I think that this 11-game non-conference slate, I don't think it leaves a lot of wiggle room, really, man. Like, I think, yeah. I mean, in a, like in a, in, a, in a perfect world, I think you want to have a schedule where if you can go, like, 8-3, and three, maybe even 7-4, and four, you, you, it's strong enough that that's going to push you through with a 500-league record. And I think that what they've assembled here, and, you know, maybe you get lucky, the Jamaica event is pretty bad i guess if they get lucky and it's a tournament you know actually where you you know you advance and you play rather than just two games if they do get wake forest instead of LaSalle and you know the rumored um opening game being with loyal marymount i feel like this is a schedule and i look at it and i'm like man you kind of got to go 10 and 1 if you want to go 10 well, and 10 in the league and that's I, where i feel I, like I, it, I don't think you can go 8 and it, 3 i feel like if you go 8 and 3 yeah but 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 you can go 9 and 2 and if you if you win games against like you know, Wake and Northwestern and South Carolina and Syracuse, and Texas Tech. I mean, that's enough. That's enough going into the Big East play where, you know, you knock off a Creighton, uh, that, that kind of thing. You, you, you can make some noise. I, but maybe we need to really reset the expectations this year, too. I mean, is this really a team that we expect to the tournament? Maybe. I think a, a lot of people feel now that we have talent on the roster that this is a team that should, <laughs> should do some damage, um, which might be a lot to ask coming off the season we just had. Now, whether or not that's an, that's an excuse or not is something that we'll probably debate throughout the season. Um, but I think there's plenty of opportunity here. Uh, and, and nine and two is an out of the realm of possibility. Um, okay, sure. But my, the thing is, if you go nine and two, like, Unless your losses are to maybe, it it's just hard to find where you've got like the solid mid major loss in here. So if you're saying they go nine and two, but they lose to both Syracuse and Texas Tech, there's going to be no good wins. Right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, like mm-hmm. I don't know how you can navigate how how you can draw up the, the eight and three, nine and two, and have it be good enough. Unless maybe like UMBC or Siena kind of punches above their weight. And those aren't considered bad losses at the end of the year. And you end up getting those good wins against Texas Tech and Syracuse. So that's kind of where I see the problem with the composition is that I think you got to go 10 and one. I think you got to go 10 and one because you got to basically split with Texas Tech and Syracuse. And then I don't think you can lose anybody else. Um, that's and, fair. You know, that's fair. I mean, you're also looking at at the teams as they were last year and true. Kind of what they're expected to do this year. I mean, I, true. It, when, when, people, when people look at us, on the schedule are they like oh man that's a game that we can't lose maybe <laughs> but we could be decent i mean that same thing might apply to south carolina it might apply to wake who knows maybe northwestern wins the knocked up a couple games in the big time who knows? like it just we're basing it on last year and last year's ratings and whatnot i i see at the end of the day that there's some opportunity here to win, especially if they can win at Texas Tech and at Syracuse, you know, one or both of those, that, that'll go a long way. 
Um, well, I mean, those would be two of the bigger wins and, you know, outside of the Big East tournament, those yeah. are probably two of the biggest wins and Patrick Ewing's, you know, going, you know, now the sixth year. Um, one of the things I guess we're probably glossing over is it's possible South Carolina could be much better than anticipated based on the kid that was going to UNC. He reclassified yep. Gigi Jackson, you know, somebody that Georgetown was involved with and, you know, some level for a while. So, you know, they've got a new coach. They've got, you know, one of the better players in the country coming in. So maybe that ends up being a much better game. And I guess you kind of got to hope that Northwestern just punches above their weight in the Big Ten uh, somehow, you know, although it's mainly just a journalism school, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, some of the things that stood out to me as interesting, I know that there were some people uh, surprised that Georgetown's playing on Election Day. And I think that, you know, there was an effort maybe to try and avoid playing on that day. But I think that you are allowed to play on that day. And I, I think that the NSA put something out basically saying that if you play on that day or you practice on that day, then you've got to give your student athletes another day off within a certain period of time. So I know that that was maybe one of the Twitter questions that came out at us. Um, and, you know, people have to remember Georgetown you know, I think there was some speculation that they might move that game because of the election. And it's like, they'd have to move it to McDonough. Like, you know, the Caps or the Wizards play. Like, there's something that's, like, at that arena, like, every night. Georgetown doesn't have, for as much, you know, crap as we want to give them for their schedule, they're this, you know, the building has been, you know, an issue in the past as far as getting non-conference opponents, you know, to agree on certain days because if the building's filled, they can't play it. And so, not to give Georgetown excuses. I know nobody wants to hear excuses for Georgetown, but... That is kind of you know what's what's going on there, um, Andrew. And no McDonough games. No McDonough games, right? Yeah, I think we've gotten our fill of McDonough games, right? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> I think we've gotten our fill. Uh, I know it was cool to see you last year at the Syracuse game, and I think I probably know the answer. But is there anything on this non-conference schedule that makes you want to come in for a game? Um, other than just wanting to see Georgetown? I mean, no. I mean, there's there's no opponent that I'm circling being like, yeah, man, I got to come up to D.C. to, to, to see that game. No, yeah. not at all. Um, so, yeah, that's up to the, the – it'll be up to the Big East schedule to, you know, that I'll look at to see which games I fly up for. But, yeah, that's a good point. There's certainly no game that – I mean, I'm, even looking at the weekend games, it's Wisconsin-Green Bay. On the twelfth, I guess. I believe they've kind of rebranded as just Green Bay, which is I don't know. I just for some reason that I find that to be funny. Okay, so Green Bay on the (laughs) twelfth, UMBC on the twenty-sixth. Then you've got South Carolina on the third, and that's really it. Um, Yeah, that's 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 not. I mean, I'll say this. If you're someone that is home for Thanksgiving and you have family in for Thanksgiving, you do get the opportunity to see them twice, right? They're on, they got American, when they're coming back from Jamaica, they've got American on Thanksgiving Eve, which is generally like one of like the biggest party nights of the year. And then they also play, they host UMBC on that Saturday. Now we obviously don't know the game times and anything, but I, I I almost wonder if, you know, if they can get creative with the game on Thanksgiving Eve, because look, attendance was bad last year. It's it's not going to get better until they start winning. Right. And I think instead of battling, you know, that's one of the bigger bar nights of the year. And, you know, people are in town, they go out. I wonder if there's a way to do a matinee for that. Another wrinkle to that is, and I don't know how big you're going to be into the World Cup because the World Cup is in Qatar or Qatar, however you like to say it, the World Cup's going to be going on during that time. And it's on mm-hmm. Fox. And Georgetown plays most of these games on Fox or you know FS1, FS2. Um, the games, I think, are like at like 8, noon, and 12 East Coast time. Like, it's like eight, like 8 in the morning, noon, and like 1.30 or 2 or something. So I wonder if there'll be any sort of way to get that American game, you know, like you watching, I don't know, Japan versus uh, uh, Germany. I don't, I'm not even sure who's in the groups or whatever, but just bear with me. And then, you know, you've got Georgetown on or something. Cause I think that's always, for me, that's always been one of the better sports days of the year 
is normally you'd have Champions League soccer and then a ton of college basketball. ESPN calls it like Feast Week or whatever, and you got the Maui and all that stuff. So I wonder, I wonder if if that could maybe be like the anchor, if you will, of Georgetown's home non-conference slate, even though the opponents aren't very appetizing. American and you know former coach Mike Brennan. Uh, UMBC, but their coach is gone and all that kind of stuff. But that's all I can kind of material. I'm, I'm trying my best to hype up their schedule, and that's probably the, I, the I don't best think part. I... I don't think there's really a reason <laughs> to hype up the schedule. I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, they've just got to get as many wins as possible. I mean, the, the number of fans that actually show up, it doesn't really matter. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a fan-friendly non-conference slate. But uh, I think it's it's enough to give them at least a decent launching pad into conference play build, and build some momentum, which uh, we need something. Yeah, I, I mean, no. you got to start somewhere. <laughs> Definitely need something. Um, do you have any solutions, you know, as an out-of-town alum that is willing to put time and money into the program? Like, it seemed like they were trying to get the every-other-year before Connecticut came mm-hmm. back to the league, it seemed like you could see what Georgetown's strategy was. It's like, okay, we're going to do Syracuse, and on the off years, we're going to do UConn. And that's actually pretty good, right? Like, that's pretty good. Well, they they have to play Connecticut now. They get the 20, they get the 20 Big East games. I just think that they've got to do something. And my solution, I think I've said it on here before, and this is a variation of it, is you've got to continue Syracuse. Like, even when Bayheim's gone or whatever, like, you know, even, you know, when Ewing's gone or whatever, like Georgetown Syracuse, I think just going to matter, at least for people my age. And I think the off year, I would try and if you can't get like Maryland every year, which might be unrealistic, I think that you do like, um, like a group of three or something where it's like Maryland, Virginia, and then like a rotating national program. Because I mean, we've seen under JT3, you know, we saw Duke come through a couple times. We saw Kansas. We saw Michigan. We saw Oregon. We saw Illinois. I mean, we saw, you know, I I, mm-hmm. I could keep going, right? Like, so yeah. I think that they have to do something like that again, right? Like, that just, that, that has to happen. Yeah, JT3 was doing it the right way. I think you got a, a bad, a really bad omen when Ewing first took the, the job and we pulled out of that uh, that Nike tournament, right? <laughs> like, the, the, DePaul took our spot. And that was right off the bat. I think that was year one. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, and and that was done with sort of a well, I gotta gotta protect the kids. We we, we don't want to lose games right off the bat, right off the the bat in his coaching tenure. That was a bad sign. I, mean, I don't think really anything's changed since then. Uh, I mean, you could argue going back to the the JT3 scheduling is certainly uh, more attractive to the fan base. The problem is you you actually have to win game. You have to be an attractive opponent for your opponent too. Right. I mean, you, you see like Arizona and uh, I forget, Kentucky or Duke or Kansas. What, I, mean, I think it was Arizona and Duke just announced like a home and home. That's great. Yeah. I mean, you've got two two winning programs but right now. We're just not there. Like who who really wants to play us? We're, we're not at the, the point where the fans think we are. I think Ken Palm just released his, his annual um, you know list of top tier programs. Um, right. I forget the categories, but. You know, Just it's like, based on basically where how the view, how the program is, right? At this at this point in time, and Georgetown has sunk to, I think it's it's in like the mid 40s, right? I mean that's that's a program that when I graduated, um, you know, in, in 99, we were a top 10 program. I mean, you know, so it's, it's just been a well, and his. His ranking oh. is though from '97 to present, so it doesn't include yeah. a lot of the stuff that would, you know, bump, well, bump them right. up. So that's, so that's well. I mean, we were still put it. We were a two seed in 2013, right? Correct. 2000. I mean, whatever's in the auto era. So I mean, yeah, we've, we've we've dropped a, a fair amount of spots in a relatively short period of time and in order to get back to where we want to be we've just got to get wins and i get it i mean i guess the fans are a little bit upset they're like oh we've got to schedule better just because we're winless in the big east doesn't mean we got to schedule cupcakes well actually you kind of do because you gotta you gotta get wins wins to get everything else so, okay but do you we'll like get, yeah. do you like my solution of 
Maryland, Virginia, and then a national program. Yeah, but a we, better talk, solution. we talk about that every year. I mean, we, we talk about that every year. Uh, Georgetown should play Maryland. Georgetown should play Virginia. Get GW in there. Get, get you know, why doesn't these local teams play local teams? It just it doesn't work for whatever reason. Hey. I, we can we can still talk about it. Maybe this game that the uh, the alums, you know, Chris Wright and all these like the Georgetown, the, the ABL, whatever that is. I mean, maybe that game lights a spark. Maybe it's well received. Maybe some people show up to College Park to watch the game and get the fan bases talking. Maybe that's the impetus for a, a new Georgetown Maryland annual rivalry. Who knows? It's funny you say GW because I, I put them on a different tier. I think that the GW game, basically, I think that should replace, like, if it was going to be on the schedule, which it's not going to be until there's, like, a complete change of, you know, people that are over there. That, to me, replaces, like, that's, like, an upgrade for Sienna, right? Or, like, UMBC. I'm talking about a game that's going to, you know, bring interest. And I I will say this. There were some GW people that popped up on my timeline today with some, you know, some ads, you know, at me and god love them man like as someone that's you know been to some gw games covered some gw games for the ap and stuff you know um i don't think you'll ever hear georgetown you know fans alums you know clamoring for the colonials but there are some people out there that are still that are still thirsty and you know um the longer this slide you know the longer they 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 remain in the slide the more they become uh on closer footing so and then are the last thing the, are they, are they still the colonials? I mean, can we call them that? I thought that was like a thing that was happening for a few minutes. I think they actually might be getting rid of that. I'm not. That's actually a good point. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> and, and 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 another thing I would bring up is that for a non-COVID year, which that schedule was kind of all all over the place, ending the regular or the non-conference on December 10th is pretty early. So my my mm-hmm. guess is that you know so that's September or. December 10th at Syracuse. What's it called now? Like the uh, Cricket Wireless Dome or something? I can't remember. Um, the JMA <laughs> Wireless Dome. I knew I knew it wasn't Cricket, but I just felt that that was really disparaging. Um, so my guess is they go up to Syracuse. I haven't looked at the academic calendar, but my guess is uh, that next week is like exams. Usually Georgetown has like a week in December where they just don't play. And if I had to guess... I'll go to like right before Christmas. I bet like maybe the 19th or the 20th after like a 10 day break, nine day break, they get like, you know, like at Butler or something like they, my guess is they've got Mm -hmm. a big East game before Christmas and then maybe another big East game before the new year. I think that's how it'll sort of end. But I mean, like if you just go back and look at some of the more recent schedules, like usually they're still playing a non-conference game on like, you know, Howard December 28th, you know, or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I thought December 10th really stuck out to me as like, damn, that's kind of early, but okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, well, why don't we jump into Kenner? I think that there's, uh, you know, obviously Kenner league action is in full swing. You went to at least one day, if I recall. I was there um, for the opening, what, opening ceremonies. Okay. <laughs> uh, who lit the torch? Um, you know, what, what are your takes from, from what you saw and, uh, you know, generally what you've been reading about so far this summer? Yeah. So I think the biggest buzz, right. Is for, um, Spears, the point guard mm-hmm. from, from Duquesne. You know, I think there was a lot of pressure on Dante last year. Obviously Patrick did not trust Beard who has since transferred to Pacific, which kind of gives you an idea of what other colleges thought of his play. You know what I mean? So uh, I liked what I saw from Spears. I mean, obviously, I think we all knew that Brandon Murray was going to be a player from day one. And the one time I was there, plus the highlights I've seen on Twitter from Kenner, I think he's definitely someone that you're hoping he stays longer than a year, which I think there's a pretty good chance that. I mean, I think, you know, we all kind of get crazy with what people look like at Kenner League and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's definitely Spears. I think... I think that he's become definitely the fan favorite of uh, the Hoya Twitterverse that's out there and of the talk boards and all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think he's definitely, I mean, he's a huge upgrade. I mean, like Dante doesn't have to play 35 minutes. You know, he, if he struggles, Spears is going to play. Maybe they'll, they'll share the floor at some point together and have two guys out there. Um, 
I also are you think of that, the are you of the are you of the camp that uh, Spears should start at point guard? Should I don't know. I mean, I think we're watching glorified pickup, right? I think that yeah, it's clear. You know, look, Dante was the Big East tournament MVP. I know that's a long time ago. People don't want to hear it, but I'd be pretty stunned if we came to game one. Um you know, against Juan Dixon and Coppin State and Dante Harris was not starting. Now, I'm not saying he's going to start all year and all that kind of stuff, but, you know, Patrick went with him pretty quick as a freshman, and then Jalen Harris, you know, had back spasms, and we never, we, we never saw him again. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, you know, I have a hard time believing that, you know, game one, election night, and Dante's not going to have his name called by the guy doing the starting lineups now. Um, but like I said, there's a ton of hype for this guy. And when you watch him play, there's reason to be excited, man. Like he's pretty aggressive, uh, defensively, you know, some of those steals he gets though, maybe are gambling that would make Patrick, you know, uh, scream at him, which everyone could pretty much hear when we're there. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I think he also has a little bit of the problems that, that Dante does too, where, you know, he's not a knockdown three point shooter. He's a little bit streaky. He's a little bit this and that, but Georgetown definitely has an option besides Dante this year, which they didn't have last year. And a lot of people started picking on Dante and it was like, look, this guy is hurt. He's given everything he has. They're just not they're They, they just didn't have anything else to go with. So I think it's going to be great for Dante both ways, but I would expect Dante to start an opening night after that. It's going to go on play. Okay. What about uh, Jay Heath? We've, Better hope he gets his waiver, which I'm not sure. I feel like he's like Wahab, you know, the coaching change. That seems pretty good. I don't think Heath has the coaching change, right? Heath looks like he's a, like, he's a, I mean, you know, he's put it up for two power five schools already. He looks pretty good. I I mean, you know, it's almost like when you compare the schedule to like Patrick's first schedule and you're like, oh my God, the schedule is so much better because of like that first schedule was so bad. Last year was so bad. That you know we're just we're just out there and we're seeing stuff and it's like oh my god that's what stuff's supposed to look like. So right. another guy that I think wow that's this is a really good pickup, but I think he's I think he's the one worry of is he going to be eligible and I'd like to think that they brought him in with some pretty good knowledge that it's going to go through as far as having a waiver. Uh, the one guy that I was a little it, it's it's hard to judge big man in Kenner because a lot of times they don't go against other big men and it's completely different. And, you know, just the way basketball's changed in the last 10, 15 years. But I know that we all love Ryan Matumbo. I'm a little concerned about Ryan Matumbo. Okay. Why is that? What did you see that uh, causes concern? I don't know if he's coming off an injury. I don't know what the deal is with his team. He doesn't play a ton. Like the, the time I was there, he wasn't playing a ton. You're almost like, look, this is Kenner League at Georgetown. This is Ryan Matumbo. Play him until he cannot breathe, right? Like it just, you know, mm-hmm. and like I said, there's not a lot of guys necessarily for him to guard, you know, like he's not the kind of five man that's going to, you know, just, you know, follow his man on the perimeter and these types of things. And he's a legit seven footer and all that kind of stuff. But I have pretty high hopes, and I, I don't think after going to Kenner League and you know seeing some of the highlights, I don't think it's time to really get concerned about people. But I was hoping that he would be more on a Roy Hibbert trajectory of improvement. And in a very limited time, I was uh, just a little bit you know surprised that he wasn't more dominant or he wasn't even playing as much as I would have hoped. So, like I said, I don't know what he you know what he's dealing with, all that kind of stuff. But he'd probably be the one guy that I know he's definitely a fan favorite. He's a he's a favorite of the pod here. Um, it'll be interesting to watch his development because I think one of the best things about college athletics when the guys don't transfer is to see them improve. And I was re- I'm 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 very hopeful that not he's like going to be exactly Roy Hibbert, but I think that he does have enough knowledge and he seems like he's got a good feel and he could you know he's definitely not the defender he is, but. I don't know. That that's kind of like the one guy. What, I what about being like? Were Were you there one of the weekends that uh, a cook played? No, and okay. that's probably a big question mark as well, right? Because his health, he came in injured, and it sounds like you know I got a text message from like you know I think like five people that were there, and I was not there. Um, it seems like it's probably not as bad as people initially feel, but he had a non-contact injury that had everybody you know just ready to 
you know, say, why does this keep happening? Mm-hmm. Um, also, two guys that we didn't get to see last year, you know, Jordan Riley, who got hurt, and then Wayne Bristol, right. who transferred in from Howard after not playing and being the MEAC, MEAC freshman of the year. Uh, I think it's really hard to get a read on both of those guys so far. I think Jordan Riley is still recovering. A shoulder injury is a big deal for a basketball player. Shoulder surgery, I mean, that's, you know, your shoulder is a joint. I've had shoulder surgery. Uh, I'm not a high-level high, high level athlete like Jordan Riley is, but I know it's hard to get your shot back from that. And then Wayne Bristol just needs to keep playing basketball because he just hasn't played a lot of, you know, a lot of competitive basketball. I think those two you, are like... Did you see him play? What, what does he look like? I mean, he's got some size to him, doesn't he? he like yeah, he's size. pretty good size. He made a couple shots. He also just looked to me like someone that hadn't played a lot of, you know, competitive basketball. And obviously mm-hmm. Kenner League is, you know, <sighs> Kenner League is what it is. I've called it glorified pickup a couple times. I mean, good God, the time I went, the concession stand wasn't open. Um, uh, I'd walk out. Well, you know, I got there and, you know, anytime you get to, you know, hang out with uh, Rich Fokken for a couple hours, you kind of have to stay. Oh, yeah. But, um, but yeah, Wayne. So right now, as, as of July <laughs> 26th, whatever it is, give me your projected starting five with the first guy off the bench. So like I said, I think Dante starts. Mm-hmm. I think I think Murray's going to obviously start. I think you got to start Heath if he's eligible, okay. and Wahab obviously if he's eligible, and then that, that fourth player, um, I don't know enough about Mazone. Um, I think a lot of people would like to see a cook a cook in there. Mm-hmm. Um, we really cross our, you know, <laughs> cross everything you have that he's healthy. Cause I think if he can play to his potential, literally Georgetown season might hang on him. And then first guy off the bench. I mean, I, I think probably, probably Spears. I think, I think you're going to get Spears too. And I think if, if you play that way, I think Dante can go all out, which he did, but then you can, you can give him a breather and he doesn't necessarily have to transfer or have to sub in for Dante, but I think it'll be hard to keep Spears off of the court for too long. Okay. So you've got Spears as your six. And then what about uh, Bass and England? I mean, it sounds like they've, and this as a weirdo, I was zero guy from LSU. I mean, it sounds like they've shown flashes as well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? I think we talked about on the last podcast, or maybe I just was talking to somebody offline, but there's so many guys transferred in. And when, normally when you transfer, you transfer to play because, you know, you're you're either transferring up a level, you want to test it out, or, you know, like, is Wiro, like, you know, you're transferring from LSU to Georgetown. And that's kind of a risky move, right? Because he didn't really play at LSU, and he's transferring to Georgetown where, you know, we we haven't seen, you know, we almost saw we almost saw a season of going 10 or 11 guys, right? That was when I kept talking about, you know, Blair's going to be good and all that. And then everyone transferred. But like you it's hard to play that many guys on a given night. So I think I think England is definitely going to find his way on the court and that's kind of where you get to the point of okay, what are Jordan Riley and Wayne Bristol giving you because like everyone can't play like that it's just it's literally a numbers game and i would guess that bass is more he's looks super athletic i i i'm not saying he's like aaron bowen but i remember seeing mm-hmm. aaron bowen and kenner and just being like oh my god first team all big east like oh my god i can't <laughs> believe they got i can't believe they got this guy right and yeah. then it it yeah. took about four it took about like maybe 3 years to start seeing him play and you know and then mm-hmm. he stayed for a fifth year um, I think it's a lot to ask for both of the freshmen to play just because so many guys transferred in. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, you wanted to, and, and Karen League rolls on. I mean, I think we can have at least a couple of weeks, right, before that uh, that finishes. Yeah, it's it's or, still going. Okay. And if I could just give some color of the event. So I guess this happened during the pandemic, but the big thing with Kenner League was I was always told to me that you couldn't charge to park because it's some sort of NCA, you know, event and the players aren't making money or the schools, uh, whatever. Anyway, you get there and you have to take a ticket. I'm like, well, this isn't good, you know? And then like, I'm talking to all the guys that go there all the time. You know, I don't want to name everyone's name, but we're all sort of like, what the heck, what the the hell's this, you know? And at the same time, I don't know if you've ever been to Kenner League, but like every, you know, five to 10 minutes, you know, the PA announcer gets on there and says, you know, 
just a reminder you can there's no you know photography <laughs> or videos a lot at kinder league as if like we're watching them like you know like i don't know make a bomb you know what i mean like it's like what are we watching we're watching pickup basketball like everyone has a- because there's there's never been any pictures or video that has ever you know been allowed in mcdonald's so why should this be, be any different but my point is okay so then so you know whatever i'm with my son uh and you know i'm trying to get him to stay as long as possible it's like super interesting except it then all of a sudden it turns and you have a five-year-old and you're like okay like i can't i can't stay for yeah. like three i can't stay for <laughs> six hours you know it's just and by the way if you're not going to have concessions maybe put a vending machine in mcdonough because all they have is like an old phone booth okay and there's no they're not they're not selling sour patch kids or cheetos or any of that crap um so there's no food you have surprise parking. And then, so normally you would just, you know, leave Kenner. Like, okay, I've had enough. No moss. Like, it's, you know, it's it's, it's hot and I've gotten bored. And, you know, this, it looks like we, we, we might have a forfeit on our hands. And then you have to go and stand in this long-ass line to put your ticket in to prepay before you leave. And it's like a complete crap show or crap shoot of how much do I owe? You know, and I, I guess the mm-hmm. max is 25. I'm not going to lie, man. Like, I went to an Orioles game. Like I think tickets were seven bucks. Parking was ten. I, I'm not really trying to pay twenty five dollars to watch pickup basketball where you don't even know who's going to show up. You know what I mean? Like you think Brandon Murray's going to play 20, 20, 25 dollars, not twenty five cents. <laughs> yeah, twenty five dollars. Well, that's absurd. <laughs> now that apparently, absurd. apparently they don't charge on Sunday. So if I get to go back, I'm going to pick a Sunday. But, you know, it's all dependent on the schedule. But then the problem is, and I get it, you know, these guys aren't getting paid to do this. You know, sometimes guys just don't play for whatever reason. Their parents are in town Mm -hmm. or they have to do X, Y, or Z, you know. I remember, you know, years ago going and you're all ready for, like, the McClung-Akinjo matchup. And it's like neither of them came. You're like, well, this bleeping sucks, you know, like (laughs) – yeah, well, Ken- Kenner is Kenner. I mean, that, that's that's part of the part of the allure is that you just don't know what the hell you're going to get. But the fact that now you, because uh, the flip side is that sometimes guys show up that aren't supposed to be there, right? Like true, 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 true. Show up last weekend or whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, Najee Marshall is on our New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, he he showed up, uh, but you know, charging twenty bucks for, for parking ludicrous. Well, and um, I think I, I think to go along with that though, man, is like okay, okay. So now, 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 what we're we're paying to park? This is like a big boy event. Don't every five minutes, passively aggressively, you know, you know, don't take a picture, don't take mm-hmm. a video. It's like get out of here well, with that. Well, get it's, out what's of here. So interesting is is that like to contrast that with the Drew League, which you know LeBron rolls in, and all of a sudden that's like the number one thing on Sports Center, like. Why not allow video? Like, why not bring some hype to to Kenner? Why not make it like a really popular, cool thing? Like now, all of these NBA guys, after seeing the madness and the fact that you know everything is flared out on ESPN about LeBron's appearance at Drew League, they're all going to go there. You know, like just how cool would it be if, if KD, for example, like rolled into Kenner? Which um, has happened, by the way. I'm old enough to have been there. there. That's like my favorite Kenner story is that KD played three straight games. Who knows what year it was? Probably like mm-hmm. 2009 or something. But like he just kept playing because he went there to play. So he was on the red team and then like yeah. he went back and then he was on the purple team and then he was on the yellow team or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. like who's yeah. going to tell him to go home? Nobody. Right. I mean, and so and no one will know about it. <laughs> so anyway, it, it does it to itself. But, but you know, Kenner's, Kenner's always been that way. You wanted to discuss before we got to our our numerous Twitter inquiries. You wanted to just touch a few things on that uh, John Fanta sit down with Ewing article video thing. Yeah, I do. Yeah, so basically, John Fanta, who is basically, you know, he's he's definitely um, a star. A lot of people like him. He's risen from, I want to say, Big East Digital Network to. He's calling games everywhere, um, but he's you know also you know the Big East has contractual agreement with Fox, and he's one of the guys on Fox. I mean he he he's also with uh, our good friend Rob Dowster and their Field of Sixty Eight stuff. Um, but you know he's you know he's kind of part of he's not part of the program, but he's you know he's kind of 
an extension of the program. And, you know, we're not getting Patrick Ewing for whatever reason. And he is because he's part of the Big East and all that kind of stuff. So he, you know, he put out a video that was like a month in the making. And then the, we're really making this last. And then he wrote on it, you know, like a week ago, which is just writing on the video interview, which was like they held for a month because I think I even tweeted like, why are you doing this or something? And someone responded, they don't have a media team or something like that. But, you know, it's Patrick Ewing is, you know, he's going to rebuild Georgetown. He's not a quitter and all this stuff. And there's just a couple things that kind of stuck out to me in that, in, in that I just don't, the view of, of Patrick Ewing not being a quitter to me is I'm just surprised that that's the message that the Big East kind of wants to get out there. I, I don't think that that's something that this fan base needs to hear. I think that, it, you know, the, it should be something like, you know, just focus on last year was a problem and we're gonna, this isn't going to happen again and I, I'm learning from my mistakes and all these things. And I just see like Patrick is not a quitter and I think I wouldn't quit a $4 million a year job if I don't, I don't think there's any other job you know, that would pay him something comparable, right? I, I just feel like it's 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 weird messaging by basically state media of the Big East. Um, I think there needs to be some justification among casual listeners or readers to that as to why he's still the coach at Georgetown. And I think the obvious reason there is because and exactly what that article hit on is like Patrick Ewing is Georgetown basketball. Mm-hmm. And if that's going to change, it's going to be on his terms. Right. And um, even though no one would suggest that he were a quitter, if he were to have stepped down last year, um, that's the messaging. Like, you know, I'm not a quitter. I want to see this thing turned around and, you know, I, I've done what I needed to do. I got more talent in here and uh, you know, let, let's see what happens. I, I think that's fine. Um, but I do I, think that, that there really needs to be some serious improvement on the floor this year to justify his return next year. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, I understand, even though I don't like it, I do understand that, you know, John Fanta or someone in his position is going to get this kind of access to Patrick. But like when mm-hmm. I read stuff like this, I just feel like, and I haven't agreed with the messaging for a while, but I feel like they're even in a, a piece like this, I feel like you can appeal to your dwindling fan base in different ways. And you, you know, I think John's got the opportunity to ask him because he reiterated in that, in that video, if you watch it, so, you know, I want to bring, you know, but this is Patrick saying, I want to bring Georgetown back to the level it was when I was playing, when Big John was coaching. And I went back after watching that because I'm like, that sounds so familiar. And well, he said it at his introductory press conference, like April 2017. So when he says it again, I feel like, and again, this is set up between the league and Georgetown. I feel like there's an opportunity for John to say, you said that five years ago. You're saying it today. (laughs) What is it about? Why do you feel like you're still the because right man? Because you know as well as I do that if he says that, he'll never get another opportunity. But you know what I mean? So but all, I, but... Any, any sit-down opportunity with, with, with Ewing is going to be result in some sort of puff piece. And that's exactly what the university wants. And they're going to pick their, their, their favorites. Um, and, you know, you're absolutely right. There could have been, a, a, and there can be, a lot of ways for the program and Ewing to curry more favor with the fan base. And that would simply be by giving people like you, you know, more access, right? Or not even more access, some access, something. And rather than do that, they continue to, you know, throw Fanta in there who, like you said, he's good, right? Yeah, um, of course. And ultimately, of course. Every, and ultimately every piece will read the way this one does. It's, right. a, it's, but- a, it's a tough piece on the program. It's, Yay, Ewing, you know, go get him, Pat. We're all behind you. And that's it. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just think that when 
when you're Georgetown and, you know, board of directors, the president, whoever made the decisions that, you know, the extension and we're keeping them and all these things, I think that you have to understand that there's certain, when you, when you decide to do that, there's all, you have to give something back to the people. Mm -hmm. And even if you ask that question, which is obviously what, like, it's a bit uncomfortable, right? Like to say that because, but I think that's where the message can get out. And, you know, Patrick can look at him and say, yeah, I did want that five years ago and I still want that. And you know what? I've grown as a coach because of last season. And instead, later in the article, all I hear is we need better players. That's not yeah, the he, lesson. He, he, that's not the lesson he, that needs to be learned. Well, it, it, it's part of the <laughs> it's, lesson. It's not. It's need, not the we, lesson. We do need better players. So the, what you wanted to hear was him saying that I need to be better, right? Yes. That, you know, I I need to do certain things that that I didn't do, and I need to do X, Y, and Z, and so that's fair. Um, I, I just I don't think, think that's I think if that's you come back, I think if you come back and your fan base is at its lowest point in a long time, the young alumni that you always need to be filtering through every you know four or five years, you know those people are more into soccer now. They're you know they're more into just not caring, and I just think it's important. To just, you know what, look, there's no way to escape last season or, I mean, really the last five years. So I, I just think that they could be giving something to the fan base and they're choosing not to or he's choosing not to or he's just not capable because he's such a big star. I don't know the answer, but I think that there's a way to basically publicly apologize to people rather than just, well, just be patient, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I guess I just I just read something like this and I feel like, Man, like you could ask, you know, I, I just feel like there's a way to message a little bit better. And some people come back and tweet at me and say, look, there's nothing he could say to some people. And that's true. That's that's true before he got hired. But I think that there are things you could say to make it seem like you're more, I don't know, relatable. Because we we all screw up. If you if you if you looked at my life, you know, what I do at my job, like I gotta be better at certain things, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? I just feel like I, I don't I think read so. This. I just, I just, I just, I just think you need better talent. Um, let's move to the Twitter question because um, I do think we we had some some, some good responses. All right, um, I'll stop. I'll stop. At, at Ethical Hoya, will any of our returning players be major contributors this year? Um, well, Dante. I, 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 yeah, I guess Dante Harris will be getting the most minutes of any returning player, and I think he'll he'll have a big role probably as a split point guard situation with with your boy Spears. Um, I mean, there's Hawkins, not very many, very many people to pick from that category, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Matumbo, I, I, I don't know, he'll carve out a role. Um, at talk and be practice. Now that we know the schedule, where do you land on final record, conference record, and uh, what if what if any postseason tournament we're playing in? Um, uh, okay, non-conference record. I think they go. I think they go eight and three in non-conference. And well, how many biggest games are we playing now these days? 18? Twenty. Twenty. Uh, let's say they go five hundred. That gets Ooh. us to eighteen and thirteen. Let's say they win one, lose one in Big East, nineteen and fourteen. That's awfully bubblish. Awfully bubblish. You think so? Okay. <laughs> I will. I'll put, I'll put them at uh, eight and three, um, eight and twelve. Let's say one and one. So what's that? That's uh, seventeen eight, and sixteen. Eight, one, yeah, I think that's fair. I think seventeen and sixteen, and I think then it comes down to you know who's transferring out, who's transferring in, and. I, I, you know, look, I think when you go 0 and 19 in the league, I think 8 and 12, whether, you know, I think that that would be obviously, I mean, that's an eight game improvement, right? Um, at some point, you need to go 500 in the league. So yeah. I don't, I don't have them there yet. Yeah, I, I get it. And I think if uh, talent wise, I do think we match up pretty well with any other team. I, obviously, I don't know what's going to happen once the team takes the floor, given the, the coaching staff. Uh, at MSG Hoyas, first off, credit to Dante for staying with the program. Could have easily jumped ship. Now faces competition for the starting PG spot. Any chance Heath or, or Wahab will have to sit this year? What do you think surprises us in a good way? I think you talked about that. We don't know yet on, on Heath or Wahab, right? We don't know officially on either of them. Um, I, I'm assuming they're both going to play, but 
who the heck knows? I haven't seen anyone not be allowed to play <laughs> in a while. <laughs> true, um, true. Yeah. Uh, who do you think surprised us in a good way? Uh, it, it sounds like you were pretty high on what you saw from Heath and Kenner. Yeah. Um, at Hoya Mentality, please rank Mountain Dew flavors. Uh, you retweeted this and it got a ton of response. To be honest, I, I've never been a huge Mountain Dew guy because basically to me, it's just sugary lighter fluid. So I, I'm just going to give my answer and then you can take it from here. But I, I like the OG. I mean, what, what's wrong with the, the, the Mountain Dew that we, that we all have grown up on? Um, the, the green limish looking slime flavor. Um, but go ahead and throw some others out there. I want to thank you for this because I feel like this is a real in tune listener, even though we're on 150 episodes, there's definitely been a little bit of a hiatus, you know, for a little bit, we should probably be, if I was moving at a better speed, maybe at like 175 by now, but anyway, (laughs) during their magical run that has apparently changed Georgetown's um, (laughs) trajectory forever. I was doing like a hundred podcasts seemed like we're doing like two a day. It was incredible. And I let people in on my secret, which was that I drank a code red during the game. And then mm. I did a post game original or whatever the regular flavor. And uh, I know our good friend, George Burnett was like, yeah, that makes sense. You're really sounding hopped up during these things. And it was, it was hard to sleep and I'm not a coffee guy. And you know, I was, you know, I mean, I, who wants to know how much sugar was going in my body during that run? But everybody was loving it. So uh, my rankings is code, is code is code red more uh, caffeine than the regular. Is that why it's like code red, or is it just like a red flavory? Nah, it's just thing? it's just it's just cherry. It's just cherry. Oh, okay, um, okay. I'm not gonna lie. Like when I got out of college and I was like packing a lunch and I was in charge of myself, you know, not no 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 cafeteria and stuff and. I was like, oh, I'll get a 12-pack of Code Red. And I was like, my stomach was hurting like every day at lunch. And I'm like, I couldn't figure it out for like a week. And I'm like, oh, maybe it's just Code Red I'm drinking every day. Um, But as far as flavors, I'll go two Code Red, three Live Wire, which is the orange, four original, five Baja Blast, which you can get at Taco Bell. I've been known to drive through Taco Bell and just order the Baja Blast and just be on my way. And I sort of teased this earlier for my number one flavor. There was something called Solar Flare that they only, and you could tell I'm a Mountain Dew degenerate. There's something called Solar yeah. Flare, which is kind of like a tropical punch flavor that they only sold at um, 7-Elevens. And they kind of like phased it out a while ago. So like we would literally be driving and we would go somewhere and be like, you know, I haven't been to the 7-Eleven. Can we stop for a second? I see if they have a Solar Flare. And it's probably one of the more embarrassing things that I will admit to on this podcast. Um, as far as like the bad flavors, they had a flavor last Christmas that I tried. It was like a gingerbread snap. I literally like I bought it. I, I, I took like one sip. And I just threw it away. It was just really bad. So there's a lot of flavors. I just wanted to give you my top five. And thank you for asking. You know that uh, now that we're on this, I was just looking something up here. Um, <laughs> the introduction of Code Red increased overall Mountain Dew sales by 6% in its first year. And then so inspired by that release, PepsiCo eventually led to the creation of multiple other flavors, such as Live Wire, Baja, Baja Blast. This is 2003, 2004. And, and the underperforming flavors since then, in early 2019, were pulled from shelves. Real Sugar, Whiteout, Citrus Cherry, Pitch Black, caffeine-free Mountain Dew and caffeine-free diet Mountain Dew are off the shelves. Um, so I don't know if you had any... And then there's something called Voodoo. V-O-O-D-E-W. Like a, yeah, it's like a Halloween thing. I mean, they, they put all kinds of stuff. They had like a cherry mashup, or they had like a like a holiday mashup a couple years ago. I'll say this right now. I'm pretty good at knowing like where you can get like what drinks they have at certain places. And right now, they're really pushing... For limited time, there's like a there's like a gold rush, which is like pineapple, like ba- like gold Baja or something, and there's like a melon one. I don't like either. They stink. They stink. At Lost Keys, will AI attend a home game this year? Uh, I believe I chimed well, in on that. 
uh, I don't recall if you have. However, he's certainly not attending a non-conference game. Um, <laughs> I chimed in I that he's going to per- come to the Green Bay game to see Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that, that A-Rod video today was awesome with him like coming to camp. <laughs> looking like Nicholas Cage and Connor. That was sweet. No, uh, Al- <laughs> Allen Iverson is not coming to a Georgetown game this year. I don't know how they're going to get him there. It would be my absolute yeah. dream. I might actually just retire after that. But um, I don't see it happening this year. I mean, the, the worst part is he last year he went to a game. He went to a Duke-Syracuse game in the Dome, right? Like, I mean, that just hurts. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, Iverson's disconnect with the program is is one of the more frustrating things to, for me, um, especially since I went, I went to school with Iverson and it makes no sense. Um, yeah. At OF Hoya, Jamaica in November, yay or nay? That's a nay for me. Um, I don't know if you're going. No, I am not going to pull that off. I'm still smarting from last year when I thought they were going to go to uh, Orlando and end up being out in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Um, at manman991866, who starts, Harris or Spears? We talked about Harris probably starting. Can Mazone play the power forward or see a small forward? Can Riley have a role off the bench? Uh, Cook's health long-term throughout the long season. Um, yeah. I mean, if 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 they can get minutes from the zone, if he can handle guarding other fours, and he can shoot at the rate that he did at his previous stop, that's a pretty big deal for the lineup. I think. Now, I don't know if he can mm-hmm. do that. He's obviously going up a pretty big step in uh, competition from USC Upstate, you know. But if that's a position where they can get him in at, that's going to be a big deal. Did he ask about Riley or Bristol off the bench? Riley. I mean, physically, he's got the bo- he's got a body that looks like he should be playing college basketball at a high level. Still recovering from that injury, and you know, I don't know how hurt he was before he had surgery and he shut it down last season, but he was kind of underwhelming then, right? So, mm-hmm. when you know, did we see the real Jordan Riley last year? And at what point this season will we see the Jordan Riley? Because his injury was you know, kind of a big deal from basketball standpoint, you know, maybe if you're playing football and you can kind of just gut through the, the pain, but you know, you need your shoulders to be working well in order to shoot. It's kind of a big deal. And and I think we have our new, um, I guess Jordan Riley's dad or uncle, whoever it is, has taken the torch from uh, Aminu Muhammad's guy, as far as being fairly vocal on Twitter about his playing time. It does. It does seem that way. Oh, did you want to talk about Aminu for a second? We are, I mean, what, what really. in, uh, what's that? <laughs> Not really, because I kind of wanted to get to this this final Twitter thing. Cause okay. I, I, it's, a, it's a question that, that I have been wondering about, and it's from at Douglas L. Farrar. Why no theme music? Why doesn't this podcast have theme music? We're 150 episodes in. <laughs> I, I think we need something. I just and waited for Patrick Ewing to come on before I get my theme music. I'm just, I'm waiting for the big guy, the, the, fair, the big fair. fella. But, but no, I, 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 so when I, when I was there, I always appreciated, you know, whenever the, they, this was back at USA arena and whatnot, whenever they blast Mariah Carey's fantasy with the ODB interlude, that's when the team came out. Everybody loved it. My suggestion would be for that to be the intro music. Okay. For this podcast. Okay. So first of all, if we had <laughs> our, if we were able to just pick a song like that, I would have mm-hmm. here comes the hot stepper because that is what Iverson <laughs> and them came out to the court in. Okay. Um, no, it was, it was Mariah Carey's fantasy. One of the years they, here comes the hot stepper was definitely part of what they did. hundred percent. hundred percent. Well, we'll, we'll have to go to the, 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 the books on that one, but well, anyway, I think we do need some, some, some music. Let's, let's get something going here. Okay, so this podcast is done through Casual Hoya. It's on. It's through Vox Media, and there is like a. I tried to figure it out like a year ago, or who knows when. There's obviously copyrighted material and stuff. Like I can't just pull like any song I want and do it. So I was given the access to a bunch of random songs no one's ever heard of, and like instrumental stuff that we could come into and come out of, and. I kind of got stuck there and very frustrated that it was nothing I wanted to use and it sort of died like that. So that's basically, so if this guy wants to come up with uh, his own song, I can definitely put that up there. 
Uh, I see you're tweeting about the Yankees. Nice. Um, there is, uh, like, yeah. So it's not as it's not as cool, or it's not. It's just I don't know. It's not. It's it's complicated. It's complicated. And, for, and just for the record, the two is about the Mets, not beating the Yankees. I mean, obviously, well, we're all big Mets fans behind the blog, and um, you know, this could be a magical season for us in Queens. Hey, no, but you, so all jokes aside. <laughs> Um, you know, we did not do a post NBA draft podcast. What are your just quick thoughts on just the idea of a player leaving after one season of college basketball and, you know, getting an exhibit 10 contract? I mean, that's, that's not good, right? Uh, it's good for him. <laughs> I mean, it's it's good in the sense that he's going to play and get paid in some fashion at the next level. I mean, if, if you're Aminu Muhammad, what are you supposed to do? Come back to Georgetown, you know, really not do anything that would make you more attractive to scouts and be in the same position after next year? Well, um, an Exhibit so 10 I, I, contract I isn't even a two-way deal. I mean, it's I mean, it's so complicated, all these things they have. I mean, yeah. it's Basically, you, he's going to go to a, you know, he played summer league for the Sixers, and he's obviously, I guess, going to go to training camp, but there's no any sort of guarantee or this or that. I just think that the case could have been made, you know, okay, if he feels like he's not getting better at Georgetown, I don't know. I, I think another year of college basketball could have helped him. I know everybody wanted to see him at Georgetown, and everyone's got those great memories of beating Syracuse and all that stuff, but... I just feel like, you know, there's only 30 guys basically that get drafted because the second rounders aren't even guaranteed. And, you know, Aminu's name never came up really on any legitimate mock drafts. It just, the whole thing was just so odd to me. Like the way he showed up, the way he left, you know, are we going to remember him in a couple of years? Is he going to be playing on this, you know, alumni team in like five years? I don't know. It just, his portion yeah. of, of Georgetown, it's, it's just, it's just such an odd relationship that happened. For me, I mean, my Aminu memory is going to be that Syracuse performance, of which course. is awesome. You know, I'm glad that I was there to see that. And um, unfortunately, I think he's also going to be known as, you know, being part of that team that went a game in the Big East and, you know, had the worst season ever. So, I, you know, I, I think we're better off without him, really. I mean, I think it made the transition to Brandon Murray much easier. I think it would have been weird to have both of them on the team. I'm not sure you even get Murray if Aminu's there. Um, uh, I think you can probably, but yes, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it, it's in the past. I get his decision. He's going to be earning a paycheck playing basketball next season. He wouldn't be doing that if he were at Georgetown. I, 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 don't, I don't mind it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, you didn't want to talk about Matt McClung. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you look, I, I, I root for him. It's, it's, it's entertaining to see him on the court. I think what he's now with the Warriors. Uh, so he's, um, he's with the champs, right? So it'd be good for him. He surprised me every step of the way as I was pretty sure that he was an overhyped YouTube star. And I was wrong. I was very wrong. He's, and he's, he just to his credit, I, I you know I watched some summer league play, and he's he's quick. You know he can he can get to the rim. He seems to make some good decisions on offense, uh, passing wise. He's improved his defense a little bit, and he's he can still score. So um, you know, good for him. I, I don't think ultimately he gets to a role where he's playing significant minutes at the NBA level, but he can come in and play spot minutes here and there, and. Um, uh, again, good for him. I, I don't think it. I don't think any Georgetown fan is really pleased with the way the McClung era played out, and uh, that whole going to Texas Tech and that that whole thing was a bit odd. And his whether it was perceived or not, his relationship with the Kinjo that kind of blew up everything. That was not great. And um, but good. Uh, you know, I kind of like seeing him play at the next level because he's an exciting player. Yeah, no, I think once he was at Georgetown and he played, you know, maybe he was, I don't know, you know, the first part of the season, you could just tell he sort of had that, that it. And, you know, we live yeah. in such like a numbers, you know, time where everyone wants to describe stuff and all these stats. Sometimes I've never even heard of them, but you could just tell he just sort of has that it. And, uh, 
you know, after all those transfers happened his sophomore year, I mean, he was kind of doing the stuff that you you know, I was kind of projecting him out to be a four-year player at that point. And he didn't even mm-hmm. really finish his second season because of the injury. But the numbers he put up, particularly like, you know, on that road trip when they had like no players at Oklahoma State and all that stuff, you're like, yeah. God, this I cannot believe this. So um, you know, it's surprising. Yeah, McClung is a, he, he's a fun player, right? I mean, he's he's, yeah. he's fun to watch. He's he's obviously going to be a lightning rod for for you know whether it be criticism or just eyeballs generally. And I mean, he came with so much hype at Georgetown. You know, he had that the, the camera guy sort of overtime following him everywhere, even in Kenner. Right? I mean, I, that's really the first time that I saw or recall seeing Kenner League highlights. I just kept seeing McClung dunks all over the internet. Well. Imagine if he had come in now with the way NIL is, because I feel like he showed up to college with yeah. like, I don't know, like 800,000 like Instagram followers yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like one or two years just too soon because he could, <laughs> he probably would have, you're right. I mean, he would have had some pretty strong NIL opportunities with that following. And I probably know where he would not have ended up at. Yes. Maybe like, Miami or something, right? Just... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I want to thank everyone for being part, particularly you, Andrew, of episode 150 of Kente Corner. You can find us everywhere your podcasts are, um, anywhere you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe because that's pretty cool. It helps us out a little bit. And we're going to look forward to the next 150, right? There you go. Let's, let's knock out 151 first. You know what? I can only do one podcast at a time. I hear you. All right, buddy. All right. All right, Casual. Follow him at Casual Hoy at Bobby Bancroft. We'll see you. Always active.